0: I'm gonna throw a two, one, and I'm gonna- Okay, episode 44, wow, great to be back. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Patreon.com slash RedHawkAcademy. Each week I'm doing a solo pod of the subjects that they want me to talk about or the Patreon brothers want me to talk about. And we'll talk about those every week, a solo pod. And I can give wh- give away way more juice on those pods than this one that goes on YouTube because it's just the Patreon brothers. Uh, you get 20% off all the merch and you get 30% off thorn supplements. 30% off thorn supplements. So, And there's content going up there all the time that's not going up anywhere else. So if you want to support the podcast, like and subscribe. Or if you really want to be a part of the crew, uh, patreon.com slash Academy okay I'm here with my uh, my friend and training partner for co- I mean a couple years now right three yeah. years three years probably uh, Kyle Stewart um, former marine and professional fighter with how many how many professional fights 21 professional fights on your sure dog yeah. so 21 fights so dude you, you joined the military and became a machine gunner for the Marines and spent eight years in service and you did three tours?
1: Yeah, I'd, I had four deployments, but three of them were combat deployments to Afghanistan. One was a party deployment to Okinawa and the Philippines and Thailand.
0: That was pretty. What does a party deployment mean?
1: I, I mean, it was, a, it was a Marine expeditionary and It was the 31st Mew. So it's not like a party. It's not a party deployment, but basically they, they call it a booze cruise. Uh-huh. Um, so I tell people I deployed three times, but only. I'd I tell people to play four times, but only only three of them really counted. Yeah, So, like, we the got to go. booze crews,
0: escorts, chicks, dude, everything you dude, need.
1: Dude, the wild. I had my 21st birthday in Pattaya Beach, Thailand. Mm. Like, I'm talking, like. Lady Boy Central? <laughs> Lady Boy Central, man. 100%. And some of them will trick you, huh? No, dude. Not trick you. You look They'll at them. fuck and, you. Dude, <laughs> I used to have like an Asian thing, like when I was when I was a kid. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was because I was into martial arts growing up. I like I was like brilliant really Asian women, and then I went to Thailand. And I say Thailand ruined it for me because there was like it was just wild. It's like my buddy compares the scene walking down Pattaya Beach, okay, Thailand. That's pretty good. I'm good. Um, remember in the movie Three mm-hmm. Hundred when like they walk, they, they go into like Xerxes' tent. Mm-hmm. There's like drugs and an orgy uh-huh. and like just craziness it was like that it that's like the closest thing to it I was wow. like dude like you get cat called by by women or lady boys as you're walking down the uh-huh. street I got I was hammered dude uh-huh. I was hammered and uh
0: and when you're hammered it's like are you getting a little curious or
1: no, no 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 I was actually so I had a
0: girlfriend at that time and I was
1: like straight arrow like so uh-huh. I didn't I didn't fuck uh, around. I didn't fuck around at all, but I got drunk. I mean, I I was walking around. Like, li- they were literally like, you'll walk down the street and be like, hey, sexy man, I suck your dick. And, and you're I, like, whoa. And you're not
0: quite whoa. sure if it's a boy or a girl. You're not quite sure, or you're sure?
1: Um, Some of them you're pretty sure, and some of them you're like, I don't know. But there was this one that was very obvious. She was like, sexy man, I suck your dick. And I was like, you got it. And I was hammered. I was uh-huh. like, you got a dick. And then just the 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 demeanor on her face, I was like,
0: oh, she gonna fuck you up.
1: I was like, uh, like, cause they're like, they're like, uh, not just protected there, but like, I don't know if I would say elevated. Like, oh, like so. they're they're like they're a very, like they're they don't they don't treat them there like 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 we in America see them. You yeah, know? just treat like, them normal. Yeah, no, not just normal, but like they're they're, I don't know, they're very protected, very respected, very, uh-huh. you know. So it's like, I mean,
0: which they should be. yes
1: yes um but like uh (laughs) i was just hammered. i was a young i was turned 21 i was a young dumb marine so and it was just just me and all my boys and we had we had gone to afghanistan the deployment before and it was a rough deployment before so it was kind of like you get a bunch of marines that like a year year and a half prior we're in Helmand province of afghanistan running and gunning and then Fast forward a year and a half down the road we're in Thailand and the Philippines and Singapore yeah. and it's just like
0: I bet those are some crazy
1: and whores and <laughs>
0: crazy fucking memories because when we're in call of duty with us four I mean four of your boys and you're just wanting to fucking let loose dude so th- when you went to an actual the real deployment you were I mean there was points where you were gunning people oh yeah gunning them down like in war heavy
1: yeah so i was uh so that's what i i I tell people like um like it's always funny to me when and i don't do it's not a dick measuring contest but when like people people will be like hey uh oh you're a marine yeah hey my daughter's in the air force i'm like oh that's cool but that's kind of like compared to this it's like if if people are like, oh Tim, like you're a professional MMA fighter. I have my kid. He he just got his white his stripe on his white belt in jujitsu. And you're like, well, like jujitsu and mixed martial arts, they're both martial arts, but it's not the same thing. Different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like I was an infantry machine gunner, 2008 to 2014 like that was when that was when Afghanistan was hot that was like when we were still and what how it. old
0: were you when you shipped off and was it like you said goodbye to your parents and was that like a tough thing cuz i can't even imagine doing something like that
1: no i was excited man like i was they, i was did 19 your, when i went to afghanistan for the first so that time
0: so in training they kind of prepared your brains to be excited for this
1: yeah it's it's very like uh the marine or <laughs> There's a, a saying it's like the the army's the army, the air force is a corporation, and the Marine Corps is a cult. Mm. Like the Marine Corps, especially the infantry, it's it's like a cult. But Damn. like you love it. Yeah. It's like uh Imagine like a college wrestling team of just dudes, dudes that instead of training every day to go, you know wrestle. Wrestle you're like you're training for war. Boy, you, you know, but it's like insane. that it's that camaraderie with that with those type of consequences, you yeah. know what
0: I'm saying? I mean, that's insane. So if you could go back to when you were younger, picking Marines, picking different things, would you pick the same thing, or what would you recommend for someone young? It depends on the person. But okay. for me, that's
1: what I needed. That's yeah. what I wanted.
0: Well, you got that mindset, too, and you're a professional fighter, and you're super resilient. You're super tough. So would you say, what's the toughest one to get into? You Where you have to be the toughest motherfucker.
1: The toughest branch? Yeah. Um the Marine Corps is known for that, but then it's just like uh it's not necessarily branches, but once you get into like the special forces, when you get into like special forces, you're talking about I I can to put it in perspective, it's like uh so like me when I compare myself to like a Tim Kennedy or mm. like a Jocko, it's like it would be like an like I went to combat, I went to war. I had three deployments. Those guys had could have 15 deployments Damn. where they're highly – they're not out there just doing, like, the stuff that I was doing. Mm-hmm. They're, like, doing direct hits every, like – it's like – it'd be like comparing, oh, yeah, you know, like, this kid did some amateur MMA, and this guy's, like – in the ufc yeah so like, jaco's
0: like a higher up making the calls and shit right yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um
1: but that that's kind of like what i would compare it. it's like it's yeah i went to combat but i didn't do it at the level that those guys did mm-hmm. yeah
0: does any of your buddies on those uh those uh three deployments do they suffer with ptsd pretty bad or do you um yeah i would say a lot um and what kind of stuff triggers it
1: I wouldn't. All right. So this is the thing: is I I don't like the stigma of PTSD. I think sometimes it get it gets used as a scapegoat because we all have things that we deal with. Yeah. Like with me, it's not necessarily PTSD. I'd say the the craziest thing I have is I have really bad like night terrors. But with me, it's like anxiety because I'm I'm used to like in the Marine Corps. Like so, for instance, when you're going through like a chaotic situation like a gunfight. Um when i and it's the same thing when i'm fighting it's just like solve the problem mm-hmm. like i'm very i i get very emotionless like and so like when like my girlfriend and i are having an argument like i get very like like a matter of fact like it's like um emotionless very emotionless mm-hmm. like i i start dealing with like cuz like when you're in combat when you're in high level situations and high stress high stress level situations it's like, you don't have time to be emotional. And like with women, they're so emotional about everything. Yeah. And then, so when you shut your emotions off and you start giving them very logical, but very cold solutions, mm-hmm. they're like, you can't talk to me like that. Like, how could you just say that and not care? And it's like, <laughs> like I'm giving you a solution to the problem. And that, that's the, the biggest thing with me is like, in stress and anxiety, and it helps me in fighting
0: yeah because like
1: when you're getting punched in the face or somebody's mount like you just like what's the next move what's the next move
0: well that's the thing i remember greg jackson told me a long time when i was on the fight master bellator show he's like you gotta just train yourself to not have any emotions because my second fight in the show i kind of went in there with a lot of emotions i didn't really want to be there i cut weight twice in a row i'm like fuck this but uh Yeah, and that was an important lesson I learned. You have to have no emotions at a high level. And going through your amateur career and stuff, you kind of learn about that. Because in your amateur career, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of emotions. Sometimes you're pissed. Sometimes you're scared. sometimes. But, like, at a high-level pro, it's going to be two emotionless guys usually fighting.
1: That's always been the hardest for me because I get emotional. Like, did you watch my fight with James when I fought him live? Did you watch that? So, like, going into the fifth round... Like I knew I was losing, so I started talking. Sh- I'm not like talking shit, but mm-hmm. I'm like ta- I'm like chirping at James. I'm like, because I was emotional. I was like, God damn it, I'm losing mm-hmm. this fucking fight. You know, um, that's always been something hard for me to control. It's a lot better now when I walk out to the cage. I'm like, all right, we're going out to do business. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but like when I got to the UFC, my first walk to the UFC, like I was crying walking to the octagon because yeah. I was just so fired up, mm-hmm. and it was like my heart rate was like was if i was already fighting i'm just walking to the cage yeah
0: yeah and that's something fucking i mean if you've never fought before especially in the ufc all that pressure your whole life the past 10 years have been built up to making it to this fucking moment mm-hmm. um and i mean in your career dude you've fought literally you've tried to fight the the toughest guys possible all the time and it's pretty badass you've had a sick fucking career i mean at one point you're one two three four you're, you're 10 and 0. 10-0, fought James, um, lost, beat Braden Smith, and then you got a call short notice to the UFC, I remember. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that a week notice? Yeah,
1: it was five. It was, so I got a call. So check this out. This is what I tell people when people, oh, this guy had to cut so much weight. I'm like, fuck off. I had to cut weight. Mm-hmm. So I, my manager originally called me, I think it was on, yeah, it was Friday. He's like, hey, there was an opening in the UFC, but he had done this like five times. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take it.
0: And Done then, what he, he I called the guys the guy he, take it and then they offer to the UFC and they say
1: yeah like yeah. he said hey Kyle will take it and they always went with someone else so I didn't mm-hmm. think much of it but I was 202 Punk. and I was 202 and it was like on a Friday
0: and that was that the day we all met at P- Peter jungle and no then-
1: that was a, that was a Sunday so okay. Peter jungle was a Sunday and I had he had called me officially and told me like hey dude you're in the UFC you got to cut weight and I was like, I was, mm. and I had, had cut a little bit, but I wasn't, I got down to like 98. And then, so I, I cut, I went from 198 on Sunday night to 170,
0: the following,
1: yeah, 171 the following Friday. So 28 pounds in five days.
0: Oh. Yeah. The only person I knew who did shit like that was Joe Riggs, dude. Anytime you're cutting, or I mean, usually if you're pissing clear, I mean, you at least probably got 20 pounds of water in you. But dude, thirty pounds. Yeah, you fucked yourself up. Yeah, like I remember who helped you with it,
1: Eddie. Eddie. Eddie was big. It it was good, like because he kept me going. But he kept having me try to force hydrate water to where it's like seventy two hours before the fight. I'm like, or before weigh ins, forty eight hours before weigh ins. I'm like in the nineties. Yeah, and he's like drink a gallon. I'm like Eddie, I'm ninety four right now, (laughs) and I'm tired.
0: (laughs) Fuck, Um, but. What were you eating, too? Just, like, nothing. nothing just barely just, handful of berries.
1: Dude, a piece of salmon.
0: Piece of salmon.
1: And then, like, a gallon of water. But, like, that was the hardest. Like, I mean, I the last five hours, the morning of weigh-ins, I cut. It took me, like, five, six hours to cut the last five, six pounds. Because I couldn't get on a treadmill. I had no energy. I couldn't mm-hmm. walk on a treadmill. Yeah. Like, walking, I would walk to a spot, and then I would just lay on the ground. Like, in the hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, waiting for the for the bus to come get us, I was, like, laying on the stairs in the hotel. Mm-hmm. And then I would... I couldn't... Because you know how, like, when you're cutting weight, well, you got to turn the engine on, put your plastics on, get it heated up from the inside out, get on the treadmill, and then once you get your good sweat going, you can sit in the sauna mm-hmm. and start pulling all the rest of the water out. But it took me so long, I didn't lose an ounce for almost, like, an hour and a half just sitting in the sauna, practically naked, wearing spandex, yeah, trying to get the sweat to come, and eventually... After an hour and a half, I started beating, and then I was able to cut the last five, six pounds in the last five hours.
0: Yeah, it's fucking a bitch. So what What fight did you fuck your eye up in?
1: That was, I fucked my eye up in, I actually fucked it up in my LFA fight. Um, really the only shot the kid caught me with, I came in, he hit me with oh, like a like left. Tim Karen. Yeah. Uh-huh. He hit me with a left hook, and it was right in the eyeball, Like, and my eye was open. So, you know, when you're sparring, it whacked in the eye and you're like, man, it's that stinging Mm -hmm. feeling. But he hit me with that. And then immediately in my eye, my right eye, he split into two. And I was like, that's weird. So I kind of like backed up and I put like a hard stance on him and Mm -hmm. I was fainting on him a little bit to like bluff, like I can Mm -hmm. see fine. Um, And then it went back to normal and it was good. and then I noticed after that, when I came back and I was sparring, there was just real weird bright spots, especially at the lab, because it's a, the room's dark. Mm-hmm. It's kind of dark in the training room, but the lights are bright. So it would the way that I was looking at the lights was weird. And then um, I, I had noticed there was something wrong with it, and I was like, okay, whatever. Well, I'll get it checked out after the fight. And then I went and fought Chris Curtis. Um, so, like – my my shit was messed up from the fight before I fought Chris Curtis. Um, so that, and one. then after fighting him, I got it checked out, and I knew what it was because I was so terrified. There was literally like a it got to where like I could have my hand right here in front of my face and not see it.
0: So what was it?
1: It was a detached retina.
0: Okay, so a detached retina. You ended up getting it fixed, and then, and then you went and KO jo- John Poppy. Got it fixed. KO John Poppy
1: definitely the sickest knockout of my career yeah
0: and then go to the ultimate fighter tell what happened with the ultimate fighter thing
1: well so i went to the ultimate fighter before i fought john poppy and i was i was pissed dude because i told them like hey i just had eye surgery about six weeks ago Mm -hmm. but my eye's good like i can i can see now it's good and i feel comfortable fighting and they were like yeah you know just come on out and you'll be good um as long as you pass the, the medicals and everything you'll be good and i was like i'm okay but i'm telling you i had eye surgery 6 weeks ago mm-hmm. you should coordinate that with them now before dude i freaking packed up all my stuff put it in storage moved out of my apartment cuz i was going to
0: go i was going to go be on the ultimate fighter you just had it kind of set or did you get the feel from the producers that they liked you
1: oh yeah it was kind of like they like i knew they wanted me on the show
0: and you have a big record you just beat john poppy so it's like perfect
1: yeah so they they had me go out there and i hadn't fought john Poppy yet this is this is well, after the chris curtis was coming off a loss to mm-hmm. chris curtis so i i go out to vegas and there they go to we go to look in my eye and i'm looking at the eye doctor and he's like dude i can't let you fight like this and i was like i understand the risk right you're not doing me a favor by not letting me fight here because the thing is, like, on the regional scene, like, if you don't let me do the Ultimate Fighter, I got to go back and fight on the regional scene, mm-hmm. right? I got to fight the Chris Curtises of the world for yep. $2,000. Yep, exactly. I, I, I got paid $2,000 to fight Chris Curtis. A year later, he's got six figures in the UFC. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And he was a killer before then. Like, yeah. everybody in the, in the scene knows how good Chris Curtis is. Yeah. So it was not like a, it, I was not excited taking that fight, you know? So I was like, dude, you need to understand, like, I'm here in the Ultimate Fighter every chance to get back in the UFC, and I'm making at least five and five on the Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. as compared to making two and two, and I'm making five and five fighting guys that are five and O. Yeah. Like, they had a kid from Alaska that was, like, three and zero, and I'm like, dude, like, I, I I was fighting five and O guys fucking ten fights ago. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, these, they're just not on the level. They haven't competed. They haven't, they're not at the level that I'm at. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, dude, this is – I'm not trying to be cocky but this is going to be a cake walk. I'm going to win me. this 100%. I'm yeah. going to like I'm going to beat every dude in this house. Mm-hmm. Um and he was like, "I understand, man. I understand you really want it, but I can't let you fight." Fuck. And I was just like, he he tries to act like he's I'm Caring saving you, you from yourself. And I'm like, "No, fuck you." Because I have to go back out and I got to go fight John Poppy and I got to fight Nishanbor. Everybody I fought since the UFC before I got to Bellator was a UFC PFL, Bellator, Ultimate Fight, like they yeah, all of them
0: are the best top, yeah, top. All players.
1: of them have competed at a very high level before. Yeah, but I was fighting them for two thousand bucks.
0: You know what I'm saying? That's the fucking thing. Outside of the UFC, outside of Bellator, outside of these shows, you're literally even in the LFA, you're fighting UFC caliber guys, mm-hmm. sometimes better than UFC caliber guys for literally three grand, fifteen hundred a yeah. show, fifteen hundred to win. It's like
1: I fought, I fought. Um... Uh, Zach Otto had eight fights in the UFC, Mm -hmm. and I fought him for regional level money. It was good, I made like seven grand for that fight, Mm -hmm. but I made seven grand to fight a guy who I should be making 30 and 30 to fight. Yeah, exactly. You know,
0: (laughs) I mean, that's the hard part about fighting. People look at fighting and they think it's all this glorious thing, and then Mm -hmm. they think we've talked about it before like when you make it to the UFC, you've made it. Wow, you've made it. It's like, dude. No, you haven't. Now the work fucking, I mean, now there's way more pressure on you, Mm -hmm. especially if you're not like a huge name yet. There's way more. You have to have good performances or you're just going to be, you're going to get cut quick.
1: Yeah. That was, you know what? I I think I've told you this before. Like my, my mental space, when I got to the UFC, the guys that I lost to in the UFC, it's whatever. Everybody says, Oh, I'd go back and beat those guys. But like, I, fully, believe, I don't know, I'm, making, I'm not making 170 anytime soon. Yeah. But skill for skill, I think i smash those guys if I fight them now, 100%.
0: Yeah, which is weird. I've thought that too, because you fight those same guys in the LFA where you have great performances all the time here in Phoenix, and you'd probably smoke them both.
1: Yeah, but it's it was more than that. It was like I had come to the lab. I was at the lab for six months. Mm-hmm. James had just mauled me mm-hmm. in the LFA. My comp, It was like I had been exposed to something that I didn't know. You know, and then I come to the lab thinking like, oh, well, James smashed me, but other guys can't smash me like that. And Mike Hamill, who was a 45 fiver at the yeah. time, smashes me yeah. like that. Tim Welch smashes yeah. me like that. So, like, the breakdown process, it's almost like I was better blindly confident than I was with better skills, but I wasn't confident. Like, I, I started learning more of the X's and O's of, intricate wrestling intricate grappling
0: yeah i mean and who's to say you you might have been more dangerous not knowing yeah no going that's, in and be like no i'm i'm knocked this motherfucker out he cannot grapple me
1: that's what i'm saying is i would i really felt like i was more dangerous not knowing like in my head i was like like when i fought james i was like i'm smashing him yeah like easy. i'm gonna smash him mm-hmm. and then it was just like oh he's doing shit i don't know mm-hmm. like and then i come to the lab and i'm like oh they're all doing that mm-hmm. like they all know this mm-hmm. and i like this is uh before i think i've told you before before the saturday before my ufc fight i'm doing a cage round with you in the cage mm-hmm. right and you want to talk about having no confidence you submitted me five times Fuck. in a one minute cage round and i mean and it's like i mean for y'all i've never seen tim crane he, tim trained, he's you get after I love it dude I love the intensity Uh and it's just like snapping on rear naked and just like I got fucked up Uh and I was like I remember at the end of the round I was just like man I suck dude like dude I'm so far behind Mm -hmm. in so many areas that I didn't know before I came to the lab and I was 10 and 0 yeah like imagine getting to be 10 and 0 and then all of a sudden you feel like an area that you thought oh I'm good here yeah like no I'm not and then A week later, I'm in the UFC fighting a grappler, and he goes to take me down and then just those bad thoughts in my head start sinking, and I'm like, I can't be here. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm in big trouble here. So, you start to move in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you're watching. It's like you're outside of yourself.
0: Well, yeah. And you said the motions you had going to the cage, too, plus the weight cut. It's like you just fucking zapped. You're probably fighting at maybe your 60% potential. But you walk around about what weight? You're 6'3 and you walk around with what weight?
1: I'm, I'm six foot. I'm six foot. No fucking way. <laughs> I'm dude. six foot, dude.
0: That's... So if we go back to back, you're definitely taller than me
1: i might be almost 6'1 okay um but like when i was at 170 i would the biggest i would get i mean the biggest would be 202 Mm -hmm. but i was generally walking around 96 to 202 and then that was the thing after the ufc cut me i was like do i really want to do this anymore because it was always just about being in the ufc Mm -hmm. and i thought about like what i really like, you got to do the soul searching, like, because I'm, I'm knowing, like, I have to go back down to MMA purgatory. Yep. And the guys that I'm going to be fighting there are this just as good, if not better. Yeah. Like, Chris Curtis is better than both the guys I fought in the UFC. Yeah. But instead of getting paid what I was in the UFC, which is 12 and
0: 12, I'm going to pay two and two. You know? So who did you talk to when you, because people, I mean, that happens all the time. You make to the UFC and then you have this moment where it's like, okay, do I keep? dedicating my life to this or do i start looking at kind of different different pathways it kind it of kind of happened for me when i broke my jaw i'm kind of i'm sitting back and i'm thinking i'm like what the fuck I, should i do here what the fuck should i do here and it kind of all came about in a perfect way to be able to open my own gym and start really focusing on sugar a lot more so it came kind of natural to to it, move out of the fighting who helps you just, with it
1: it's just kind of similar, but moved into a different lane.
0: Yeah. And okay. and it was just because but I, you're passionate about I it. love martial arts yeah, so much. Same. And now mm-hmm. I don't have to be like, oh, I have to fight to stay in there and I have to go get a draw. I, I got a winner. Fight. I can't pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Now it's like, I get to train with my students every day. I get to teach it. And it's just, I don't have that stress in the back of my mind anymore. Who helped you with like, hey, let's keep grinding. Let's keep going. Was it just you who made the decision?
1: Well, it was me. I sat down with Crouch. God bless Crouch, man. He, uh, him, him, him and I met up. I just wanted to talk to him. I was like, do I still want to do this? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But I love the process. You know, just like you said, martial arts. Like, I love being in the gym with the boys. Me too. It's like, that's the thing. When, this is what I'll we'll get back to the Marine Corps thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love being in the gym with the guys. Like, I love the tribe, mm-hmm. right? Like, I love being a part of the tribe, mm-hmm. right? And that's the biggest thing that I lost that people lose when they get out of the Marine, when they got, especially the infantry, that's your tribe, dude. That's your crew. Like you, you, you'll never have more purpose or more of a belonging or more closer to another human being. Who's not actually blood related than going to war with guys. Right. Mm-hmm. But, Coming to mixed martial arts—that's the second best thing. So it's not like a huge drop off. A lot of guys get out of the military and they feel isolated because they're not with a tribe. Mm. So for me, I was like, I love this process. I love being in the gym. I love when I'm rolling with you and you're like, yo, hey, think about this. Maybe, maybe like right here, like giving me technical breakdowns or training with Jared and and you know having that same conversation and mm-hmm. or, or training with Mike, whoever it is at the gym that I'm training with and it's like we make each other better and then i knew that i loved the process what did i hate about the what did i hate about it i hated cutting to 170 yeah like i hated having to even when i got down to where i always had two weight cuts i had the cut to 186 and the cut from 86 to 70 mm-hmm. you know the cut to 186 sucked and the cut to, from 86 to 70 i was a zombie from 86 to 70
0: and um, you'd usually do it within 2 months or three months, two months. I mean, God, dude. In those two months, it's like people don't realize how much enjoyment it takes out of your life. Miserable. Only being able to eat this much food is like,
1: and it's not even just the enjoyment, but it's like the training. The training is shit. Yeah, the training is shit. Like I, I could go and I'm trying to spar, and it's like I'm not. Why am I even sparring when I'm when I was cutting to seventy? It's like why am I even trying to spar at one eighty seven? I can't walk around. Yeah, like I can't. Like I'm. This is miserable piss poor training. Mm-hmm. And it's like me fighting at 80 or 85, it's like I enjoy training. Like I can make the cut in in twelve hours, mm-hmm. no problem. Mm-hmm. From health I can go from sparring to cut cut the twelve last twelve pounds and be good. Yeah. You know, as compared to seventy, it's just like zombie mode.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for for me, for the ultimate fighter, I went to trial for one seventy and they're like, Can you make fifty five? I'm like, <sighs> fuck. I'm like, I can. And I did three months just disciplined, but oh, God. God damn it. I don't know why we, why we decided to do that. Go to 55 and go to 70. I'm like, it really wasn't that fucking healthy.
1: It's such old school fucking mentality, man. And it it's really with, it, it's with the, it's like, it needs to change. And everybody's has this idea that like, I'm going to drop weight. Like you take a loss and you're like, Man, you know it's got to be the size. I'm gonna go down, and, and I'm like, no. Dude, there's examples of guys that go down, and they're not the same. Mm-hmm. And there's examples of guys. There's examples of guys that go down and do great. Jared Cannonier, yeah, you know. But like, it's what you, you need to find where you're really comfortable at. And the answer is, if you, you take some losses, it's not. Oh, I need to go down to a smaller weight class. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, and for me, like I like to lift. I get big. Like I'm fat right now because. Um, my back's jacked up and I haven't trained since my fight, mm-hmm. but I'm like 2'11 right now. I got on the scale last night. I was like, oh, damn. It's not, it's, not, it's not a good feeling, 2'11. <laughs> I mean, it feels good when I'm eating, but I'm not like, I wouldn't take off my shirt and go to the beach right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so where'd you get all your kind of like resilience and mental toughness from? Did you get it from your dad or did you, how did you kind of start learning how to be tough?
1: I would say for sure the Marine Corps. Like, dude, when I was, when I joined the Marine Corps, like there's two different me's Uh like, there's like, I was so not, I was 18 in high school, rode the bench playing high school football was like the, ant. I was like the definition of the friend zone guy Mm -hmm. with like girls that I was friends with in high school. Like I didn't have the confidence. I didn't, you know, because like you, you're playing football, you want to play, and you see all these guys that are studs and they're running like four, 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 5 40s, and I'm running like a five, three. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Awkward. I'm like, I'm like not an athlete. They're like benching 315. I'm like 195. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> when I was in high school. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps, and I, I, I always, I just had this mentality of just like at that time, like that, like, I, this is who I am. Right, and I joined the Marine Corps. I told people I went to boot camp. I could only do six pull up, six pull ups, and it I was unable to run three miles in the twenty eight minute run time. Damn, you just get too gassed. No, no, like I had no. I'd never done it before. I graduated boot camp doing eighteen pull ups and a nineteen minute three mile run time. Fuck. So, and then from there, I, I went out to the fleet, and I was around dudes. The thing is, this is it's like whether you whether you embrace it or not. Like, whether you embrace the suck or you don't, you're still going to have to get through it. And Mm. when you have people basically telling you, like, I don't care if you suck, you're going to fucking do this, right? Like, like,
0: And you're around all your boys are doing it too, so it makes it like, hey, we're all doing it.
1: Well, no, but when you're new in the Marine Corps, it's miserable. (laughs) Like, you're everybody's bitch. Mm. All the new guys are everybody's bitch. And, like, your senior Marines have already been to combat they went to Iraq and now you're around them. And it's like, you look up to them because they're combat veterans and that's what you want. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they've been there and you're, they're throttling you and they're trying to prepare you for the situations when you're like a bad shit's going to happen. You don't have time to stop and feel sorry for yourself. Right. Yeah. And then you grow through that and you go overseas and you go through combat and you go through this process. Like, Dude, like, when I was in, it wasn't even just the combat, but I'll explain, like, think about going 48 hours without sleep, right? Think about think about patrolling in the sun when it's 100. Think about patrolling middle of July up Camelback Mountain carrying 100 pounds.
0: And 48 and, and, hours
1: without and, sleep. And having to watch where you step because you get your legs blown off. <laughs> and at the same time trying to look for it. Uh, firing points where you you could get ambushed and then getting ambushed. God. And then your
0: poor parents. Do they even know what was going on? They knew you were a gunner in fucking Afghan. Oh yeah. Yeah. God.
1: But like so you go through that and it's just like you can be that miserable and make it through that. Just the hardness that you get from going through that. And then I can't I'd come back. So after my Third deployment, I was no longer like the boot, the new guy. I had, mm-hmm. I'd had four total deployments, three combat deployments. And then that's when I started fighting. And I knew that I had changed mentally because when I started fighting, like that, that whole, oh, I'm not an athlete, this isn't for me, had changed cause I, because of what I had gone through in the Marine Corps. My first ever, it was basically a smoker fight. I knocked a dude out with a head kick. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and all my boys from that were in my company were there. Oh. Like, all my boys that I had been through with. And it was kind of like, oh, yo, uh, Stuart's going to go do an MMA fight. And I was like, fuck, man. Like, I grew up doing martial arts. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoy this, but I don't know how good I am. And I was nervous. And I got my boys there. Dude, I'm talking like 100 dudes. Damn. And I head kicked this dude flat out. Yeah. And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> it was just like that moment. And all my boys are Jacked. going crazy. And uh, then my mentality changed because now I'm the fucking man. Yeah, like I'm the man now. Hell yeah, like and I was a, I had picked up sergeant the Marine Corps, so I was a squad leader, sergeant the Marine Corps, and I was had started fighting, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden. I'm the man Mm -hmm. amongst my peers in the Marine Corps, like I'm respected. Yeah. Right? I'm the guy that's in charge of a squad.
0: And they can whoop some ass. And
1: I whoop some ass. And Mm -hmm. I'm fighting in casinos on the weekends. And all these people are coming up. And I was still an an amateur. But in my head, I was like, I was so far removed from that kid that rode the bench playing high school football.
0: Mm -hmm. Right? Just going through the tough shit.
1: Yeah. And it was like, dude, like I actually... It's like my own motivational story where it's like you you don't have to be that guy. You can be what you can be something else. Mm-hmm. If you stop feeling sorry for yourself and you're going to go through some bullshit. You're mm-hmm. going to go through some shit that you don't want to go through. But once you come out of that, you're not going to be the same person. Mm-hmm. Right? So you you combine my my time and my experience in combat through my three deployments and then Also at the very end of my Marine Corps career when I started fighting, Mm -hmm. like I was a different person coming out than I was going in.
0: Yeah, that's fucking I mean, that's pretty badass. So do a lot of guys when they come back, do you have a lot of buddies that are on like healthy tracks or a lot of guys addicted to drugs and pain pills and and that kind of shit?
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing that that's the thing that fucking I don't know shit about. I don't, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. So, but I give my opinion for whatever it's worth. The buddies I, hit you
0: up sometimes. And yeah. Going,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'll get a call at three o'clock in the morning and I'll look. And, like, if I don't know the number, like, I'll answer it because mm-hmm. it'll be so and so in the middle of Wyoming. Like, dude, like, I'm fucking in trouble, man. Like, I'm addicted to heroin. And, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck, dude? God damn. It, I've had, I've had, uh, like, to me, like too many buddies commit suicide since we've come home to where the the like my mentality about it is totally changed. Holy I don't shit. I don't like people are like, oh, I don't think pills are the answer. But I'm not i I'm not a doctor. Yeah. That's my that's my people say PTSD when they come back home. I think veterans struggle with a purpose and a tribe. Like if you'll never have more of a purpose, you'll never have more of like a feeling. You're getting ready to walk across. I'll describe a very specific moment. There was this field that we used to patrol across when I was in Afghanistan. We called it Yankee 9 Bravo. On the grid square, it was Yankee 9 Bravo. Probably doesn't make sense to you. Mm-hmm. but We called it the Field of Dreams. Every time we went across that, we got shot at. Every time we went across that, somebody got shot. So what they do is they would have like a designated marksman shoot. And then they would mask it with AK forty seven fire. And so you're getting ready to cross this field and you know something bad's gonna happen.
0: Why do you have to cross it? Why not go around it? And you just gotta cross it. I asked that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm
1: like, why do we have to go across this? Could we not just go? It's like it's like entering into a situation
0: where you know you're gonna get sucker punched. But you're trained not to question, right?
1: Yeah, you just do it. Go. You gotta eat this shit sandwich. Yeah. All right, we're gonna eat this shit sandwich. <sighs> So I'm sitting there and you're getting ready to go across this field and you're like, you've been across this field and guys have been across this field and people have been shot going across this Mm -hmm. field. And consistently, it's guaranteed, you cross that line, it's popping off. Mm -hmm. So you just look at your boys and you're like, fuck, let's fucking get this. You know, so that sense of purpose, that sense of like, I understand, that's where guns up comes from. It's like, I understand that I could catch one. I understand that I could get caught but I'm going to fucking fight, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm going to fight for you, Mm -hmm. and you're going to fight for me, and we're going to fight for him Mm -hmm. because we're tired of seeing our boys get fucked up. Like, fuck that. Um, So when you're in that situation, that sense of purpose that you get from those situations, you'll never have that again in life. Mm -hmm. You'll never have a situation when you come back from that to the real world in the civilian world where you're like, you you're with your brothers day in day out every day even when you're not training in the field you're partying and chasing puss Mm -hmm. or and then you go overseas and you go through that situation and you'll never have that sense of purpose or that tribe right so you lose that when you come out and that's what i think a lot of veterans are struggling with is they don't have something to chase they don't have they don't have their tribe and they don't have something to, to move forward, something to set goals with. Like, like I went out and I went to community college for a little while and I was just like, and I knew I wanted to fight. I, I literally left base, drove home, checked right into Arizona Combat Sports before I even went home mm-hmm. and started training. So a lot of veterans struggle with, that sounded kind of repetitive, a lot of veterans struggle not just with PTSD, but they're no longer a part of a tribe. And they're sitting in a community college class learning about fucking organelles and micro... And they're like, what the fuck is this, dude? I used to kill people. You know what I'm saying? They're like, this is bullshit. This is dumb. And And then you look at the political landscape... And it's like I, the way that college campuses are nowadays, and you're just like, they need safe spaces? My safe space was behind a berm about this big, trying not to catch one to yeah. the running lights. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you need a safe space because words are violence? Mm-hmm. I've seen real violence. Yeah. I know what real violence looks like. And uh, so you, you, you go from, like, you take a line from the fucking Sahara and you put them in a the zoo. That's what it feels like for a lot of combat veterans. I bet.
0: So then they... So then they get some pain pills, or maybe yeah. some do marijuana um, or psychedelics. Do you, do you do any of that stuff?
1: No, I, I've got buddies that have done DMT, and I want to do it, uh-huh. but I'm not going to do it till I'm done fighting. And I like, I don't. I've mm-hmm. I've heard enough about it, seen enough podcasts, where I'm just like, I want to do that, mm-hmm. but I still. Number one, I'm scared of my demons. Yes. Yeah. I'm scared of my me demons because I know that they're in there and they're dark. Like yeah. when I say like I have problems with night terrors, I have like real bad problems with night terrors. So like I don't know if what I see in my dreams is going to come back to me yeah. and how bad it might fuck with mm-hmm. me.
0: Um, Never mushrooms. Have you done any? Like
1: I did mushrooms once, but it was a, a micro dose and it wasn't enough to like. Yeah. See nothing. your shit a little yeah. bit. Yeah um you could try a
0: couple grams of those kind of get you prepared a little bit
1: yeah i mean i'm not against it i just um i was smoking weed for a while i don't i don't smoke weed anymore it's just uh i get too too much anxiety but i think for sure when i'm done fighting i think i would have to do mushrooms to prepare myself to do dmt because i'm i definitely want to do it one day Mm -hmm. down the road when i'm when i'm done fighting number one is i don't want my ego to die yeah because when my ego's on fire i have my best fights Bro. Like when I walk in, like it's my fucking show. Yeah. I send John Poppy's head into the fucking stratosphere. Yeah. You know, like it's a different, like, and people talk about don't be cocky, be confident. I'm like, no, fu- I want to be cocky. For sure. When I'm cocky, I fucking light dudes up and uh-huh. it's a show. Uh-huh. I was cocky when I fought John Poppy. I was cocky when I fought Zach Otto.
0: All your LFA fights. Yeah, yeah, like I was see the cock- confidence. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's a different, it's a different me. So I don't want to lose that. And I've gone in there without that. And, like, I don't want to lose that before. I don't want to lose that before I'm done fighting. I'm done fighting, and I just want to coach people. Yeah, absolutely. I know,
0: dude. That's the thing about those, those heavy drugs like DMT, ayahuasca. I'm scared of those, too, because they talk about that. They talk about, like, people who've done that. I mean fighters who've done it they don't want to fight anymore when they're, done. they're God, like damn. fuck i don't want to fight i don't want to beat some dude up anymore
1: because you think about it, it doesn't really make sense for like a <laughs> no. normal a rational human You're <laughs> no. like, who wants to get locked into a cage that's totally our ego that puts us in there oh yeah like when people talk about dude like fuck you yeah dude, don't be when people t- say fighters shouldn't shouldn't be cocky or shouldn't be arrogant <laughs> i'm like fuck you I'm going to act however I want to act. Yeah. Like, don't showboat. Like, I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't. You should be the truest expression of who you are. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I fight and my ego's going, that's... that's where Yeah, I'm, let it rip. I let it go. Oh, fuck
0: yeah. Dude, I mean, uh, do you have a pretty good relationship with your parents? Yeah. What do they do for work?
1: Um. So, my mom just recently moved to New York. My... Um, she was a foster mom for a very, very, very long time. She just sold her house here in Arizona because the market's trashed. And she moved out there and she bought a house in New York and Western New York. My dad is a, was a teacher, retired. My stepmom is a teacher. She's getting ready to retire.
0: Oh, sweet. Um, I was thinking about it the other night when I was all dabbed out. I was like, dude, it's... Our- the lack of i mean people that were born in the 1900s 1940s 30s 1900s. 20s or 1950s 1960s <laughs> uh, the lack of knowledge they had i mean not knowledge the lack of information they had like okay what you can go to the library mm-hmm. and then you don't you go to the library you don't know what to read i'm like for us we have these fucking iphones and we can look up any philosopher we can look up we can find teachers we can look up
1: anything isn't it crazy how you take information for granted yeah a happened what what time what did, when did that movie come out hey siri what time did Do it. you know or looking up somebody i look up fighters all the time or their records like mm-hmm. i i see somebody fighting on tv Typology.
0: boom 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 and my my tv the other the other day i'm watching this sh- uh, show called uh heaven's Heaven's got the cult of cults. It's about this cult, this fucking crazy ass show on HBO Max. But they were saying words I didn't understand. So you can just ask my remote, hey, what does this word mean? And it'll pop up on the screen what that word means. Yeah. And then back to your show. I'm like, fuck, dude. I'm just, I'm so thankful we were born in a day and age where we have internet. Do you think it's going to get out of control? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. With five and six year olds having a computer in their hand, being able to interpret this stuff, like, I didn't. I didn't start texting until I was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. and kids are going to have their Instagrams, their Twitters, their. I mean, I feel like a lot of kids are going to be big pussies.
1: I think social media is. I I love it and I love to use it, but I think ultimately for how we communicate, it's really trashed. It's it's oh, made yeah. it's made everything. Nobody wants context on anything anymore. No, but everything. What's one hundred and sixty characters on Twitter? Nobody wants, nobody reacts to any deep thought or like, that's why Rogan's podcast is amazing. Mm-hmm. Cause he'll talk for three hours and he'll break everything down and look everything up. And you get so much nuance in what he's giving as compared to somebody dropping a, something. If they're talking about something political, it's a tweet and normally it's dunking on somebody. Mm-hmm. So you basically try to create something that's a reel or a gif or a tweet that's under 30 seconds because people's attention span is this short now because mm-hmm. people don't want to sit there and watch something that takes two hours, unless they're going to see a movie.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's crazy where it shit's go. going. So, hey, Jay, you were saying Johnny Depp won the trial. Yeah. Dude, Dang. how crazy is that? I haven't dude? been keeping up with it as good as I'd like to, but have you been watching the trials and stuff?
1: No, I haven't watched the trial, but I've seen everything come out. It's just like you realize... Like, watching her fall apart, and she's like, fake tears, uh-huh. and all of the shit that's going on, you're like, man, like... Some of these people who we look up to, because we put celebrities on these pedestals, yeah. like they're fucked up. Oh, hell yeah. Like, that's not who you want to be.
0: <laughs> like, Dude, hell no. I mean, I think when you get so rich and you're so powerful. You're you so start, disconnected. You just feel invisible. Like,
1: I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, I'm, I can I'm completely just... fabricate that Johnny Depp used to beat me up. And, yeah. like, really,
0: I'm the crazy bitch. Yeah. So you're planning on opening a gym? Where do you think you want to open your gym at?
1: I don't know. Uh, I'm going to talk to Crouch about it. Um, cause like I really, I would love for my gym to be an affiliate or a feeder gym to the MMA lab, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, that's
0: kind of, so, kind of what we're doing here too. I talked to coach about it. I'm like, I want to run a really good amateur team. I mean, there's been pros that have hit me up and said, Hey, I want to come train. I'm like, probably right now. I mean, you can come grapple with us. We have good, really good grappling, but probably for now you're a professional. You'll probably a better spot for you to be the lab.
1: Yeah. Like I want to take kids from grassroots from where I started training when I started fighting when I was in the Marine Corps, Mm -hmm. my all had all my amateur fights to the professional level. And when it's like, okay, three, four years when you're ready to step up to the regional level as a pro, like. Well even before that you're going to want them in the room, but take them over to the lab kind of similar mm-hmm. to like how Javi does with yeah. his guys you know that's what I would love to do is I would love to train guys who's like, I had you at square one, but if you really have dreams of like UFC Bellator if you really have big time dreams you're gonna to have to go over to the lab. And but I would love to be a yeah. coach
0: and the reason I feel like going over there is because there's so many high level partners mm-hmm. there's so many guys that are trying to fight only trying to fight for their careers, mm-hmm. and they're already professionals, and they're in this room, and everyone's making each other better.
1: It's, and it's not just that, but it's the – I'm going to quote Luke Thomas because I watch his show Morning Combat all the time. It's the knowledge of best practices. Like, because Crouch is constantly – when you have all those minds, and they're not just Crouch, but, like, you got you got uh, Randy and you got um, – all the different, the different minds. Rob. Rob. You got Rob in there. My bad. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. I love Rob. Yeah, Rob is cornering me in my fight. But you have all these different minds coming together, creating something. And they're constantly watching what's going on in MMA. Yeah. And they're like, uh, Crouch will be like, hey, I saw this. And this fighter dominated with this position, you know, mm-hmm. constantly getting to the back. Mm-hmm. And it's like in real time the knowledge of best practices is constantly being updated yeah like this is what they're doing now and that was something when i said when i first came over to the lab you know i love the guys at acs Mm -hmm. but like there was no real wrestling practice there there was no no jujitsu for mixed martial arts it was just Mm jujitsu and so it was like there was a lot of knowledge of best practices as it pertains to grappling that I was unaware of. Mm-hmm. So that's the good thing. The other good thing, other than just the great partners, is the constant update of, like, these are what guys at the highest level are doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's just, especially in MMA and in jiu-jitsu, there's just so much fancy shit that you could come in and teach people. But it's like, is that working in the world championship fights? What's working in the, in, mm-hmm. when the guys are in the top five and they're fighting each other? What's working? What's not working? Well, let's work on that shit.
1: Dude, you know who I love the most? My favorite coach outside of the MMA lab? Mm-hmm. Henry
0: Hooft. But it's good. I mean, I've had a couple interactions with him, and he seems like just the nicest, smartest guy.
1: Dude, I just, I just love his. I'm a big fan of f- like true fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Like, can you throw a proper jab? Can you throw a proper low kick? Can you throw a proper right hand? Because I feel like a lot of guys in MMA, they get caught up in the sexy sugar and sweets. Yeah. Spinning, jumping, flying. And not everybody shook. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, exactly. And it's not that he doesn't have fundamentals. Yeah. Uh, But not everybody. But they want to do the spinning, flying, jumping, turning, but you can't throw a jab. Or you want to do all these crazy blitz combinations, but you have no home. You have no base. Yes. So if you watch a Henry Hoof trained fighter, they all... It's like you can watch one and be like, "Oh, he trains with Henry." And it's like, "Oh, they're all very they have different styles, but fundamentally their baseline is the same." Yeah, right. It's almost like at that level, it's like you talk about the NFL. Can you run the ball on third and three? Like, if you can't run the ball on third and three because you can't run the ball, you're you're going to find doesn't matter how good your passing offense is. If that gets shut down, what do you go to? So that's what I I, I like about his his. The guys that he has up there. I've been studying a lot of Henry Hoof lately. Yeah, I mean. And that's the, how I want to, like, when I become a coach, how I want to, like, I can do, I can teach you spin and stuff. But I want to teach you how to throw proper, solid fundamentals. This is how you move yeah. your feet. This is how you throw your one, two. This mm-hmm. is how you, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, rarely fancy shit happens at those top-level fights. Like, those those fights that are in the top five and stuff. It's, like, always solid fundamentals. Look always.
1: At, look at Usman and Burns. Yeah. The guy, and those are two Henry who've trained fighters, right? Mm -hmm. The guy who won the fight threw the best jab.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So what do you got going on the rest of the day?
1: Uh, I'm going to go over to the lab and watch guys spar. I haven't been back there since. I went back and paid all the guys after my fight, but. Since my back's been jacked up, I've literally just been laying flat on my back Hell yeah. every day, trying not to agitate my back.
0: I mean, dude, the, those back injuries like that—I've only had one bulge in my life—but you have to fight off. I mean, you really have to tap into your mental toughness and your resilience because it's easy to get depressed. I'm not depressed, but I it mean, just it's sucks easy to be able to train. You could, you could willow mm-hmm. away though. Like, I only can sit here. I can't even teach. I can't even coach. I can't even get up. So, Did you have sciatic pain with yours? Yeah. Fuck, dude. It was so bad. Dude. It's like I'm a like, stun gun
1: that. in the fucking
0: hamstring. Yeah.
1: It's just like you get up wrong, you move wrong, and it's like zapping. Like,
0: oh, so you have oh. a disc putting into your spine right now? Or?
1: Yeah, so it's a bulging disc um, pushing in basically to my nerve, mm. which radiates and then goes all the way down my leg. And when I first had it, it was just like kind of like a pinch in my butt cheek. Mm-hmm. And then it became like a zap in my hamstring. And now it's just like everything because i fought twice with it before the zach auto fight was when i was starting to have symptoms with sciatic pain
0: and then you see a doctor and the doctor's like you need surgery and the chiropractor's like you don't need surgery you need the chiropractor and then they say once you get surgery you have back issues for the rest of your life or once you start having back issues they never end it's like eh i feel pretty good i had a pretty fucking bad back injury twice in my life
1: did you what did you do did you do injections for it
0: no i didn't i just was consistent with my chiropractic i got a good bed to where i was able to sleep good then i just tried to eat healthy and and, and slowly it started to heal itself
1: when i'm not training if i'm not training i'm eating like a fat pig yeah (laughs) like that's what i've been doing Mm -hmm. you know all of a sudden i'll listen to a podcast and drink a beer you know or a lot of beers yeah (laughs) that's why i'm (laughs) 211 so it's like which is not good for inflammation Yeah, you know, so it's like it's when it's a car wreck for me. It's a car wreck. I'm from not in the gym. (laughs) I'm not eating healthy. Yeah, but when I'm in the gym, I'm eating healthy. So I need to i the diet diet. I've been diet has a lot to do with inflammation, Mm -hmm. which I need to start getting getting back right to help reduce the inflammation. What books you read before you go? Am I read reading right now? It. Yeah, we'll the Book mastery
0: Circle. of love. Okay, read that one, bro. It's yeah. fucking so good. Dude. What is it? Everyone about? needs to read it. Mastery I mean, of love. Just talking. It, it talks about you with your partner and not being. Com- I mean, becoming attached to your partner and, and your happiness coming from your partner. Um, yeah, and just I don't know. It talks about a lot of cultural conditioning and the way our culture looks at relationships and the way people treat relationships now. It's, re- it's really good. I think men and women treat it different.
1: I. I think a lot of women are like, damn, I'm in trouble. A lot of women, their purpose is to be in a relationship.
0: Some, yeah, yeah. some, exactly. And, and guys
1: mean, too, but more so women than men.
0: Yeah, and some, because my girl, she has her own passion. She mm-hmm. has her own purpose by herself without me. Mm-hmm. So when we come together, it's like, it's a really good like yes. friendship, bond. We're on the same team. We're both she chasing shit. She doesn't need you to yeah, exactly. feel like she's. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, living life, you know. Um, these cameras usually die in an hour. I feel like we could talk another fucking hour, dude, easy. But
1: I could fucking, dude. I love, podcasts I love conversation. Fun. Yeah, like I love I podcast or no podcast. Like, dude, I literally could sit here and talk to you for hours. I know you got you got to cut it here soon.
0: But. Um, yeah, we'll do it again though for sure soon. Uh, everyone, f- follow Kyle. We'll have his Instagram in the uh, bio. And uh, yeah, I look forward to you opening your gym, and I'll, I'm down to help you as much as you want. Dude, with I'm whatever hit you need. You
1: up for a lot of information.
0: Yeah, do it. It won't bug me. Like the first gym I opened up, it was a garage, mechanic shop garage, and it was $900 a month. Old, shitty garage. Okay. And we just ended up getting 15 members, and then moved over to a new place, and it slowly kind of built. That's so you could do it. You, you, you're going to be a great coach, and whoever gets to learn from you is lucky. So all right guys check it out patreon.com slash redhawk academy. Um give Kyle a follow. Fucking badass dude. All right, love y'all. Peace. Peter,